starting a new one this week, and it's called Extraordinary. Extraordinary. And really, it's all about um, how God has done extraordinary acts. Um, But for him, they're really ordinary acts. But for us, as we view them, as we look at them, as we experience them, they're all extraordinary. And so really, my hope is that as we go through this series, that we would just be able to point to how God is extraordinary and that how we need to understand him and what he does. Um, and so as we begin today, I just, I want to tell you something. Um, there is this like C word that our culture really hates. There's a C word that we don't like to use. There's a C word that we don't like to even talk about. Okay. And that C word is commit. I don't know if you heard me. It's called commitment. Yeah, the word's commitment. Yeah. As a culture, as a people, we don't like to use the word commitment much. Like we don't like those moments where we're sitting down with someone and we're having a DTR. Sitting down, it, uh, DTR means. So like what are we? <laughs> or we're sitting down with someone like, hey, so what are we doing? You know, like, like what is this? Let's have a DTR. Let's determine the relationship here. And you see, it seems like this word commitment is becoming harder and harder and harder as generations and generations and generations are born. And it just seems like it's getting harder and we're just trying to avoid this whole word of commitment. And I also understand that there's people in the room who like overcommit and you have an issue overcommitting, but that's for another Sunday, okay? That's not for today. But we're going to be talking about commitment and and how difficult that is. And and I think the reason why commitment is so um, difficult, and I think there's different reasons, one of them is because there's like this greater responsibility, this greater responsibility put on you, and you have to be responsible to be true to your word and true to your promises and true to what you've said. It's also difficult because it's like vulnerable like committing to someone is like a really vulnerable spot where you have to make your intentions really clear. You have to make your capacity really clear. And it's just a really vulnerable spot. And then let's, let's be honest, okay? Let's just be honest and say that committing is really scary. It's really scary because there's always this thought in our mind that's like, what if, what if I commit more than that person? Or what if that person doesn't commit to me as much as I'm committing to them? And so really what we're talking about all today is extraordinary commitment, extraordinary commitment. Because I just want to just help us see and not miss how there is this truth that God has committed to humanity. God has committed to us. And it's not just some like ordinary commitment. It truly is an extraordinary commitment. And it's a commitment with and for all people, for all of eternity, for all generations. And God's commitment is so extraordinary that it goes beyond what we deserve. His commitment goes beyond what we can imagine. His commitment goes beyond what sometimes we can even comprehend. And so as we look at God's commitment to us, we're going to be really challenged to commit to God. And as we commit to God, I really believe that it should lead us somewhere. Like committing to God should lead us to something. And uh, I meet with a group of guys um, like once or twice a month, and we've been talking a little bit about this. And, and I just love how their minds think. And really, they came up with this, and I just stole it. So 
I'm just going to give them a shout out like that. But really, when we think about commitment, commitment leads to consecration. Commitment leads to consecration. And that's really the focus of the whole message today. And I'm going to explain a little bit of what this means. Because when you think about commitment, commitment is not really legalism. Okay? Commitment is not legalism in the sense, and if you don't know what legalism is, legalism is, is practically being fake. Legalism is practically like doing things or serving, as we say in the church, serving in order to gain God's love or gain God's mercy or grace or gain some kind of salvation. But legalism, familia, friends, like legalism is hurtful. Legalism is hurtful in the church. And it makes people think that you can earn or gain or work towards salvation or even blessing. And so when we think about commitment, it's not legalism. And, and legalism, again, like focuses on this like law rather than like focusing on a relationship with the lawgiver who is God himself. And so we're not talking about legalism when we talk about consecration. But instead, commitment leads to consecration. And what is that? Well, here's a couple of definitions and a couple of ways to think about consecration. So being consecrated or consecration means to fully dedicate yourself to the Lord. It means to devote yourself irrevocably, if you want to use that word, to the worship of God. Practically, being consecrated to the Lord means living open-handedly and saying, I will leverage all of life, all for Jesus. And the word leverage really just means use. I will use all of life all for Jesus. That's what it means to be consecrated before the Lord and consecrated to the Lord. And so we're going to see in this passage that we're going to read that being committed to the Lord leads us to being consecrated to him. And so go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 7. And we're going to be kind of in the last verses of Acts chapter 7. If you want to go ahead and find that. And as you, as you get there, I want to give you uh, just a little bit of context uh, of what's going on here because we're kind of going into a random part of Scripture. Um, and this is some of the stuff that we've already read together as a church. But if you remember chapter 6, um, you have these disciples and there's tons of work to be done because, like, so many people are being saved and baptized. And so the disciples pick seven, seven men. And so one of the first ones they, they pick is Stephen, and they, they pick some other ones. And their job is to take care of people and, and to provide food and to help the widows and the orphans. And so they're, they're running around. They have different duties. But then you have Stephen who also takes it upon himself beyond what he's already doing to go to different synagogues that are really like Jewish churches. And he goes to them, and, and he's trying to preach the gospel to them, trying to preach who Jesus is. And as he's doing that, man, people are not liking it. Like, people are like, what is going on? Like, are you serious right now? And so they're falsely accusing him. So they're falsely accusing Stephen of saying, man, you're talking bad about God. You're talking bad about Moses. You're talking bad about Moses' mom. Like, you're talking bad about all these people and the law. And you're just saying, you're just talking about all these things. And so they really get him captive. And they bring him before like this whole council of Jewish religious leaders. And I don't know if they sit him down or if they stand him. I don't know if he's tied up. I really don't know. But I know that he's in front of them. And they ask him the question, hey, are all of these accusations true? And he stands there. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, surely he's going to say yes or no. But instead of saying yes or no, 
he takes advantage of the moment and begins to summarize practically how Jesus is connected from Adam all the way to Solomon. And he begins to summarize all of these Old Testament texts and summarizing what God had done and what he'd said, and he's quoting different prophets. And then all of this really just like demonstrates God's commitment to his people. Because really he's just giving a a summarization of how God just keeps his promises, keeps his covenant, and all of it was and is completed in Jesus. That's where all of that is headed. And then we get to chapter 7, verse 51. And in verse 51, he's literally ending his like summary sermon, okay? So imagine Stephen is there ending his summary sermon and he lo- he's looking at the leaders and he's going, you stiff-necked people. I bet that went well. You stiff-necked people, you stubborn people is practically what he's saying. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. We talked a lot about circumcision last Sunday. I'm not going to talk about it a lot today, so I'll leave it there. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Goodness. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but not obeyed it. Then verse 54 says this, when the members of the Sanhedrin, which is that, you know, council of of Jewish leaders, heard this, they were furious. Well, obviously, he he called them stiff-necked people. They were furious and, and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Verse 57. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing. Whew, so there's a, lot, there's a lot going on here, but one of the first points I want us to see here, again, our, our focus will be that commitment leads to consecration, and we're going to keep going back to that. But one of the first points I just want you to see here is that God's, God has a commitment, and God's commitment is to save. So God has, has committed to humanity. God has committed to us. And the point here is that God has this commitment to save. His commitment is to save humanity, to save us. And so, again, I just want you to just picture Stephen being there and the Jewish leader saying yes or no. And Stephen just goes, I'm not going to answer your question. I'm literally just going to summarize all of this and summarize everything that God has done to show you how God from the very beginning has been committed to paying your debt of sin. From the very beginning, his whole plan has been Jesus. From the very beginning, he has been committed to you, committed to humanity. 
And so Stephen is practically preaching all of this and, and you know, he's just telling them how, how God has just shown himself and how literally his ancestors have experienced the Lord and how his ancestors have been able to see God just commit himself and make covenants with himself and with the people. And again, I just, I assume that maybe these Jewish leaders are like kind of okay with what he was saying until we got to verse 51. And then Stephen looks at them and says, you just stubborn, stiff-necked people. You stubborn people who literally cannot see past your own tradition. That's practically what he's saying. You can't see your, past your own tradition to see that God has sent the Messiah, has sent the promised one. That God has been walking with us and that, that Jesus is God himself in the flesh and that he walked with us and he died for us. And he rose from the grave and, and he gave us his spirit. Stephen is just trying to say all of these things and trying to summarize all, to all of these leaders that, man, do you recognize? And I want you to recognize, because he said he could have said yes or no, but he goes, I just want you to recognize that from the very beginning, God has been so committed to, to saving you. God has been so committed to bringing good news because you've been living in bad news for so long. You've been dead in your sins. And so now I want to bring you this good news, and I want to try to help you explain all of this, that Jesus truly is the eternal Son of God, who by his humble and extraordinary life and his gruesome death and his miraculous resurrection, and we can have life and life to the fullest. And this is where I just want to just show you John 10.10, 10 because, again, we live in this, in this culture who doesn't like the, the C word of commitment, and, and we think that we understand how we can live life to the fullest, yet we don't truly understand what that means. Because John 10.10 10 says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. The ESV says, abundantly. And see, that's just extraordinary. God's extraordinary commitment to bring us salvation, to bring us restoration, and saying, when you have that and you walk with me, that's when you can live life to the fullest when you're in me. And I'm not trying to make it seem like humanity is the center of the universe. I'm not trying to make it seem like, you know, we're the center of God's world because truly God is the center of his own world. We're just a part of it. But it's, again, amazing to think about how the God of all the universe has committed himself to save us, to transform us. And, and I just I try to make a list of, like, God is committed to us to give us his wisdom. He's committed to give us peace. He's committed to change us. He's committed to grow us. He's committed to lead us, to guide us. He's committed to protect us. Here's a cool one. He's, he's committed to dwell in us by the Holy Spirit. Like, God has committed to listen to us. Like, when's the last time you had to force someone to listen to you? God is just like, hey, I'll commit myself to listen to you. Like, ears are wide open. I'm here. Instead of having to force, um, force me to listen to you. So God has committed so much. And, and I just want us to realize that because that's one of the things that Stephen was just trying to just communicate of like, people, man, I just want you to look at what Jesus has accomplished. And this is, again, where I just want to make some things really personal to us as we just read this because 
I think some of us might be a little confused. And here's why I say that. I think some of us, all the things I just listed, right? The things that God has committed. I think so many of us want that list or so many of us want those benefits or so many of us want that blessing without God. Like we want the benefits and the blessings of God without actually having God. We want those benefits and blessings without actually having a relationship with him. And and let me put it this way. We want the benefits and the blessings of God without committing to him. Without truly committing to him. Without truly wanting to consecrate ourselves to him, to devote ourselves to him. And you know, so many of us maybe know that we should, and we just kind of choose not to. We're kind of just like, you know what, I just really don't. And so I was, I was thinking about this, and I was just kind of remembering my childhood, and just I have, you know, six other little brothers. And I was just thinking about that. So I just want you to think of one of my little brothers um, and then my dad, Right. And I want you to imagine the kind of relationship that they would have if my little brothers only talked to my dad if they were wanting something. Or the only time there was any communication was like, dad, I ask you and I ask you and I want and I want and I want and I need and I need and I need. But then after that, there's no communication. And then, you know, I imagine that uh, my little brothers really only spend time with dad whenever it's convenient for them or whenever they want dad to do something for them. Like imagine my little brother is only wanting to spend quality time with dad if and only if dad is doing something for them. I'm like, hey dad, y'all spend time together, but I really need you to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And this. Or imagine that, you know, my, my brothers, you know, go up to, to dad and, and they say, you know, um, yeah, I'm only going to go to you when I feel like I really need it. Like, it's whatever. Like, what kind of relationship would that be? Just imagine a little brother, my, one of my little brothers with my dad. Is that really a relationship? That would be my question. Like, is that really a relationship or is that more of a transaction? Is that more of a transaction of like, hey, uh, if you give me this, I'll spend some time, whatever. And so I think some of us are, are just confused in all of that because... Our Heavenly Father has truly committed to us. And then I'm just, I just begin to think, and I'm like, man, he's, he's committed to us in so many ways, but maybe we are like these Jewish leaders. Maybe, maybe we're like these Jewish leaders that we are just so blinded by so many traditions, whether it's cultural traditions or denominational traditions or personal traditions or church traditions, and they're just blinding us from what we truly need, and that's the Lord. It's blinding us from truly just saying, Lord, I want to commit to you, because that's what was blinding them. It was blinding these individuals from truly committing to the Lord and consecrating themselves before the Lord. And so as we look at all of this, again, commitment is not legalism, but a life committed to the Lord is a life that's consecrated to the Lord. It's completely devoted, open-handedly saying, I want to use all of life all for Jesus. And so, again, I just want to continue to explain a little bit of, of what it means um, to be consecrated to the Lord. And so here's what that means. We see God's commitment, and God's commitment is to save. But then we see our commitment, and our commitment is to surrender. So that's actually the second point for today. The second point is that it's our commitment to surrender to the Lord. 
Then again, I just want you to see the scriptures here where, you know, Stephen is standing in front of uh, this, this group of people, this, this council of people, and he's, and he's dragged. And so I just want you to picture all of that, that he's, he's dragged outside of the city, and they're yelling at him. And as they're dragging them, the, these Jewish people are actually laying things down so this guy named Saul could walk on the ground. And Saul was this guy who later would become Paul, but it was this guy who was killing Christians, this young Jewish leader. So they're, they're dragging Stephen, and, and they're literally grabbing these stones and just about to just kill him. That's practically what their intent was. And so all of this is happening, and, and, and as I just read this and as I just look at it with you, these verses are, are just interesting to me where it says in verse 59, while they were stoning him, it says that Stephen prayed. He said, Lord Jesus, look who he's praying to, right? Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of, of their killing. And so when we look at this, you just see that Stephen was just so confident in the Lord. He was just so confident in who Christ was and who he was in Christ. He was, he was so consecrated to the Lord. And it's not that like, it's not that he just, you know, was like, you know what, I just, I want to die. He just said, man, the Lord is just so incredible and he's done so much in my life that they need to know. So even if I know that I'm going to die, I need to tell them. And it's not that Stephen didn't care about his life. He really did. But he knew that his life only had value because of God. And so because his life only had a value because of God, he's like, well, I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to give my life to the one who, who gave it value because I need to tell these people the truth. And Stephen, just a little fact, is the first um, individual in the, in the first uh, person who actually died uh, because of their faith. And that's called martyr. If someone does that, they're called a martyr. And so he's the first one to do that. And so this is what he's doing. And, and what I want you to not get from this story is I, I don't want you to get that we should go out there and try to just die. Like we shouldn't go out there and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go out there and try to die for Jesus today. And it's like, okay, well, that's not what this is saying. But what the saying is that we need to find every opportunity to consecrate ourselves to the Lord, every opportunity to surrender our life to the Lord, take every opportunity to devote ourselves and commit ourselves and being willing to give all of our life all to Jesus. And as we read this, it comes to mind one of the things that um, I said probably last year at some point, and most of us probably forgot because I forgot until I was reading this. But it just reminded me that there is a reality that if we want to follow Jesus out of the grave, then we have to be willing to follow him into the grave. Because so many of us skip right towards the, you know, man, I want to have this newness of life with Jesus. And when I die, like I want to be resurrected with him. It's like, okay, cool. But before the resurrection happens, it's the death. And so I need to be willing to follow Jesus into the grave if I want to follow him out of the grave. And when we see this, we see this reality that, you know, there is some beautiful and great news whenever we share the gospel with someone and we say, man, like, like the Lord forgives you and the Lord has grace and the Lord has love for you. But there's also some bad news after that. 
Because the good news is that Jesus saves and the good news is that we are made new and that we have eternal life. The good news is that we're children of God, but the bad news is, is now we're committed. The bad news is now we no longer worship ourselves. We no longer worship what we want. We no longer uh, live to, to worship anything else other than the Lord. And again, worship is, is giving the highest value to something or to someone. And so we wanna give the highest value to the Lord. And then another thing that is some bad news is that we no longer worship tradition. We no longer worship those, those things that are not God. We have to die to ourselves. Like it's no longer living for ourselves. We have to die to our flesh, die to ourselves, die to our thoughts, die to our actions, die to those things that we like to say that worship anything else that's, that's not the Lord. We have to completely surrender to him and understand like we have to understand that we are no longer in control and we were never in control in the first place you see I think so many times people truly don't want to put their faith and their trust in Jesus they don't want to commit to Jesus because they like being in control they say man I I I've gone through so many things. I've gone through so much trauma. I've gone through so many bad relationships or I've gone through so many bad work environments. I just want something that I can control. So if that's my life, I'm gonna do it. But you see, when we commit ourselves to the Lord, when we consecrate ourselves to the Lord, we understand that God has always been in control and now we're just living open-handedly and saying, okay, Lord, you lead me, you guide me. I'm using all of my life all for you. But I will worship you and, and, and consecrate myself to you. I'm gonna submit to you. And so as we look at all of this and we see the life of Stephen, that's what he did. Not that he's this amazing, perfect example, but I think there is a lot to learn from here of Stephen just going, I know it's right and I know it's gonna cost me something, but I know it's right. And so really, I just have a couple questions for the believer in the room and, and the non-believer in the room. And depending on who you are, these questions will hit differently. But the first question is, have you committed, like truly committed and consecrated your life to the Lord? Has he truly transformed you? Has he, has he truly changed you from the inside out? So that's the first question. Like, are you truly committed to the Lord? And depending on that answer, I mean, like another question would be like, have you said yes to Jesus for the salvation, the restoration and the forgiveness that he offers? If no, man, that's available. If, if yes, I go back to that question. As a believer, have we truly committed and consecrated our life to the Lord? Have we truly decided to devote ourselves to use everything that God has put around us for his glory, because ultimately God is the only reason that thing, God is the only reason why you have value, which is beautiful because no one else determines your value but God. So are we gonna give that back to him? Are we gonna give that back to the Lord of all, the lawmaker, the one who brings about all blessing. 
And what's amazing is there is blessing and there is benefit in walking with the Lord. There is blessing and there is benefit in having a relationship with the Lord, but that's not the reason why we have a relationship with him. That is just a benefit and a blessing of that. And so what I want to do in this moment, because we have time, is um, I want us to go ahead and stand up together. Um, Go ahead and do that. And I want to take a time to just intentionally respond to the Lord. So whether that's while you're standing, whether that's at your seat, whether that's coming down and praying, I, I think for many of us, today is a day that we can go, Lord, I didn't come in here expecting to get on my knees, but I think I need to. Lord, I didn't come here expecting kind of like to stand and truly say, God, forgive me, for I have not lived a life committed to you. Maybe you came in here saying, man, I'm just, I'm just coming to church just to make sure I went. And you know, that sometimes happens, let's just be honest. But the reality is, is that the Lord wants to meet us here and he's looking at you today and he's saying, I have committed to you. Man, will you commit, will you commit to me? And so again, I don't know if that's coming down the front on your, on your knees or there on your knees where you're at, but I think today's a beautiful day from what we've read and what we've studied to say, Lord, I wanna commit myself to you. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, in this moment, we, we are so thankful, first of all, to just recognize that you have committed yourself to saving humanity, to saving us. Lord, time and time and time and time again, you made a promise with yourself for the sake of us did that with Abraham. We've read that. You studied that. Lord, you did that with Jesus. And it's amazing to think about that. And, and Lord, again, I, I just pray that every single believer in this room would get on their knees and in, in their heart and in their mind or physically get on their knees. Say, Lord, I wasn't expecting to do this today. I wasn't expecting you, for you to to challenge me or to encourage me in this way, but Lord, I want to humble myself and consecrate and devote myself and commit myself to you. All of my life to you. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that that would encourage, but also challenge people to truly live, live a life that is worth and worthy of you. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that uh, people don't just come and sit, but people truly participate in, in who you are and in what you're doing, whether it's inside the walls or outside the walls. Lord, I pray that we, that we would be a church that the community goes, my goodness, they are being mobilized. My goodness, the Lord is truly leading them. Lord, I pray that we would be families that humble ourselves for each other. I pray, that, I pray that we would be friends who would humble themselves for each other. God, because we just want to surrender everything to you. Help us grow in how to surrender. In Jesus' name I pray.